1: Hello, you're listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. We are a general interest independent bookstore located in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. This year, because of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had to close our store and cancel in-person events. But Skylight is your neighborhood bookstore, and we are finding ways to create community even while we're far apart. In the coming weeks, We'll be putting out lots of new audio content to help you discover new books, connect with authors, and check in with your favorite booksellers. To learn more about how you can help keep Skylight alive, please visit our website at skylightbooks.com or check out our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you for listening and enjoy.
2: Hello everyone and welcome back to The Handsell. This is the bookseller uh, series on the Skylight Books podcast. I'm your podcast producer and host Nick Koaleski, alongside my co-host and all-around all-star
0: <laughs> Maddie Gobo, events manager.
2: Yeah Maddie I think I'm just gonna start giving you a new like adjective like a superlative every single time we do this because my admiration for you continues to grow
0: oh stop Uh, well I am a Leo so you know I love that
2: (laughs) I exactly and this gets me brownie points so I'm going to keep doing it so uh how, how have you been how have you been since we last talked Maddie
0: um I've been okay I've been you know there's been a lot of uh a lot going on in the world um but Things are, things are changing at the store a little bit for, for good from my point of view, which is that I've, I've gotten a new staffer on the events team, which I'm really excited about. And I get to go back to working in the store two days a week, which I was, I was just like so lonely and depressed and isolated. <laughs> and I really miss just like putting my grubby hands on books all the time. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very happy about this. Um, I know that like working in the store now is very different from working in the store. In olden times but um you know you get you get a little bit of that back you get a little bit of the community and the book smell and the things that like make it worthwhile to continue being a bookseller despite it being an incredibly uh unfinancially sound career choice
3: (laughs)
2: right but book smell that's a perk
0: Book smell. Well, not necessarily for me. I know. I know for some people. Uh, for me, it's like touching books, uh, touching kids' books in particular because they're huh. so pretty and always have good illustrations. And I am uh, maniacal about organizing the children's section. I haven't gotten to do that in months, so wow. I'm really looking forward to doing a full alphabetization.
2: It's just been Elisa. It's just been Elisa maintaining over there. I
0: Usually. think so. Yeah. I think so.
2: Wow, she's drowning. Got to give her a hand. I'm glad that you're <laughs> back in store just for that. How? So what is, I mean, uh, you mentioned that it's different working in there from the olden times. How? How is it? Uh, can you describe what the changes have been?
0: Yeah, so um, in olden times, we would have had our main store open and our annex for all of our art books and graphic novels and things like that. Um, right now, the annex is still not open to the public. Um, because we're using it as kind of our shipping center and and order processing center. So it's kind of like our mini warehouse, Um, which is nice because it's quiet over there and you can very easily social distance, but uh, you know, you don't, you don't, we don't have quite as many of the really cool kind of hard to find artsy stuff um, accessible as we normally would. So that's kind of a bummer. Um, And then, of course, like in the main store, we've got all these plexiglass barriers up uh, around the register and around the back desk and everybody's wearing masks and people have to use hand sanitizer when they come in. And it's very hard to hear people when they talk to you with masks (laughs) on. Um, But I think apart from that, like the same the same people are still shopping at Skylight. You know, our regulars have all stuck by us and. I think because we've been kind of an early adopter of online events, we've kind of found some new customers through that. Um, so it, the store feels busy, which is both good and a little bit unsettling again because yeah. the ventilation system is not great. Yeah. Um, but we're doing everything that we can to make sure that it's a safe experience for everybody. Um, you know, this is, this is the reality of uh, living in the United States in 2020 is that you do everything you can and still you can't be sure that, <laughs> that it's enough, that everyone's safe. So there's always yeah. just like a little bit of sort of like low-grade anxiety buzzing of course. in the background. But um, I think being, being with people is just tremendously helpful, um, being able to talk to coworkers and to customers and and people on the street, uh, just like w- the the few times that I've gone into the store, up until now, like have rescued my mental health in ways that like I could not have anticipated. Like I felt like massively, massively better after spending eight hours working in the store, um, just because I got to you know get out of my own apartment and talk to people who aren't my partner, who I love, but you know we see each other every day all day long. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of things that are different and, you know, we're having to kind of like constantly rework our processes because everything is different now. You know, we are taking a much, much, much higher proportion of online orders and pickup orders. So we've had to really increase our processing capacity, which has been rough, you know, because we're just not an Amazon warehouse Um, and just trying to think of ways to. highlight books and make sure people know about books and and that people who maybe can't afford books right now still have access to books. Uh, There's a lot of different kind of projects in the works that we're trying to to continue the work we would have been doing as a bookstore anyway, but with kind of uh, extra, you know, COVID support. Um, Yeah.
2: Yeah, I hear that. As safe as it can be and as good as it can be that's kind of like the tagline for businesses this year Mm -hmm. um yeah i miss it i miss that that community it i still haven't been in the store since the quarantine started so a little envious thank god i actually work with a co-worker or i live sorry i live with another skylight staff or otherwise i'd probably be going insane too i'd be breaking down the door uh but uh, yeah, yeah, well I'm glad you guys you're, you're are, back you on the just, floor.
0: You and Ben are just like hanging out and reading together quietly. I love, yeah. I love that, that picture of you in your little fuzzy yeah, exactly. apartment.
2: Yeah, that's what it, it's basically what it is. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so we've got a pretty good uh, hand cell main event today. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about that? What do we got in store
3: in the next coming, in the coming minutes?
0: I have a conversation with John Evans, who is one of the wonderful owners of Diesel, a bookstore, which has a location in Brentwood and another in Del Mar. Um, He is a co-owner with Allison Reed. Uh, John has been around in the bookselling industry for a long, long time, and he's very wise and very thoughtful and has some really beautiful views on the book-selling ecology. He talks about it as an ecology rather than an economy, which I really love. Um, hmm. we kind of get into that quite a bit. And then he also, the original reason I invited him on was that I saw Diesel had posted a GoFundMe that they're raising money um, to help cover their rent through the end of this year because they're in Brentwood. Uh, at the Brentwood Country Mart, to be specific, they have incredibly, incredibly high rent um, and their landlord just hasn't, offer them any relief. So they're just trying to hang on. And um, so hopefully we can, uh, you know, send some donations their way and keep them in business because they're really important uh, part of our LA bookstore ecology, and uh, we would be really sad to lose them. So um, you can check that out. I think Mick's going to post the GoFundMe link in the description here to make it easy for you. Sure. Um, am. And I hope you enjoy uh, the conversation me and John had, because it's it's more about kind of the philosophy behind book selling and why we keep doing this and, you know, where, how, how we keep doing this under these kind of impossible conditions. Um, and it feels really, you know, on point and, um, and, and relevant to conversations that we're having across a lot of different industries right now. So yeah, I recommend it, even though I <laughs> I am the person who made it.
2: <laughs> I recommend this thing that I made and you are currently listening to. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, well, before we get to that, uh, Maddie, can you tell me what you're reading lately? So I do want to know.
0: Yeah, so I think the last time we talked, I I was in a reading uh, funk and I was just feeling like I hated books and I was over it and I didn't want, I didn't care about stories anymore. I go through this cycle every couple of weeks um, and it's, yeah. it's been cycling faster and faster with the pandemic where like one week I'm like, I'm swearing off books for life and then a few days later I find another book that I like. And they're all reading well, this
2: one first, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I've gone through that cycle very recently, and I i just yesterday picked up um, a galley of a translated novella by Marie Ndie, who is uh, I believe she's South African. I want to make okay. it, this is another thing I should have researched before. Oh, no, she's French. Um, she's French okay she's French and uh, the book's called that time of year it's it's out from uh, two lines press and it's fantastic it's really eerie and uncanny which is like as some of you listeners may know extremely my shit Um, it's about this this city man this Parisian man who with his family they they spend the summer in this kind of uh, rural idyllic village um, and they always leave by September the 1st. And the book opens with the year that they decide to stay one extra day. Uh, and everything goes wrong pretty much immediately. Um, it starts to rain. The Our protagonist's wife and daughter vanish. And he goes through a series of Total, increasingly bizarre interactions with the locals trying to figure out what has happened to his wife and daughter, where are they? Why is everything suddenly so different uh, the day after the end of the summer season? And um, I'm really enjoying it, uh, first of all, because it reminds me a lot of one of my very favorite Shirley Jackson stories, which is called The Summer People, which has a very similar premise um, and does not end well. For it, for the city people who stay, Shirley Jackson doesn't known well. And also, just like I, I just really love um, stories that kind of deal with a, a narrator who is kind of a dumb a dummy, like who just doesn't really like grasp the implications of like the situation they're in and how weird. It has gotten and that is yeah. certainly happening here like it's quite funny um in addition to being scary so i am excited to see where it goes i yeah i had a, i had a hard time sleeping last night so i read the first 40 pages and i think i'll probably be able to finish it today because it's quite short which is another one of the things that i look for in books that they're short um yeah, <laughs> yeah so that's what i'm reading right now um mick what are you reading
2: well, it's, it's funny that you mentioned a novella about sort of a dummy because I just finished uh, Otessa Moshfag's, uh first book, uh, McGlue, which Ooh. was a recommendation from Ben. I have a, a pretty big pet peeve of, um, and this is kind of a trend in contemporary fiction of novels that have characters who are obsessed with books or have writing adjacent occupations. I think it's very navel-gazing and, frankly, masturbatory. So I looked to Ben, and I said, Ben, all of these books on the shelf, they have books, and they're books about books, basically. They're books about people who love books. And I need a break. I need a break from that. Hold on, can you hear that? Yeah, I can. Okay.
0: But now it's gone. Okay. Do you want to take that again?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, I was looking at our bookshelf and I said, Ben, there are too many books here uh, that are books about people who love books. Can I, do you have any books that you can recommend that do not have that? And he gave me McGlue, which is a, uh, a novella about a sailor in like the 19th century, I want to say, who has amnesia, like short-term amnesia, and people say that his crew says that he killed someone but he Mm -hmm. can't remember this so the book is just about like this sort of like moron sailor who's trying to remember whether or not he killed someone and it's short it's like 130 something pages and it contains zero references to other books and it was exactly what i needed at the moment (laughs) (laughs)
1: um
0: i love mcglue i think honestly like this is maybe an unpopular opinion but i i think it's the best moshfag book um it's the it's definitely like the purest and most distilled uh disgustingness you know that that she loves Um, it's
2: it's amazing
0: he's also just completely like blind drunk uh for the entire novel
2: yeah i should mention that that is that is the short that i'm talking about it's really just a blackout
0: <laughs> i think he also has a head injury but yeah he's yeah, he is he's got a, uh, he's got a
2: crack in his head yeah, he's yeah. Not that's, the, keeping that's where together. the gross stuff comes up yeah,
0: yeah. Um, he's
2: not all there he's not all there
0: but it's such a fun read like the language in that book i remember being like very visceral and like really yes. giving me the, giving me shivers
2: yeah it was one of those things where i'd like start like retching like <laughs> like reading it because he's like starts fishing around in the crack in his head and like oh god it's kinda, like a little body horror-ish and i'm like <laughs> in a good way you know like in a good it grossed me out in a good way so yeah definitely highly recommend and also agree with your take about it being <laughs> the best moshfag i haven't read all of her but of the things i've read this is definitely the best one that i, I i've enjoyed it the most i'll say um
0: you validated my opinion i have read all of the moshfags um i am a moshfag fan uh but i i do think that McGlue is still such a banger. It's so good. yeah,
2: it really is. Such a, it's it's so quick too. I read I knocked it out in like two days and could have done it in one if I really wanted to. But um, but yeah, so I finished that and taking a break from fiction and reading Shane Bauer's American Prison. Um, he was a reporter who uh, applied to be a security guard in a prison in 2014 and wrote about his experiences there um and yeah it's awful so (laughs) if you have this is a good book to read if you're trying to or to recommend to someone if you're trying to recommend that we abolish the industrial prison complex the prison industrial complex um and uh if you've seen the it's a good accompaniment to the documentary 13th the 13th uh, in the sense that it sort of really makes you realize that slavery has not gone away in the United States. It's just <laughs> shifted <laughs> mm. to the to prisons. So uh, definitely less fun, but still a really compelling, really good and really important, I think, thing to read. Uh, um,
0: on that topic, um, I want to just put in a little teaser because... Uh, One of the projects we've been working on at Skylight is um, book bundles, which we're calling book bouquets, and they're they're basically curated selections of books on a on a theme or a topic curated by Skylight booksellers. And one of the first bundles we're going to launch hopefully in October is an abolition bundle. So it's all um, readings about abolition theory, prison abolition, um, you know, defunding the police, uh, that kind of um, that kind of scholarship. And uh, hopefully it will give you all something to sink your teeth into as we head into election season. This is going to be really election
2: rough. Season. Yeah. See if we can save off that, uh, that fascism, you know, see if we can do it. Hopefully. We'll find out.
0: Fingers crossed.
2: Fingers crossed. <laughs> save off the fascism. Uh, yeah. Well, that definitely look out for those things. That sounds awesome. Um, in the meantime, though, Let's get to our main event. Maddie, thank you for, for joining me again for another hand cell.
0: Of course, my pleasure. And uh, yeah,
2: and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time.
0: All right. Hello, lovely Skylight listeners. Welcome back to the hand cell. It's been a little while, but we're so glad to be back today. We have a great interview lined up for you. Uh, I am Maddie Gobo, the events manager here at Skylight Books. Um, And just a little bit about uh, us. If you aren't familiar, we are a general interest independent bookstore located in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. Right now we are open every day from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And we also do. Oh, you have to wear a mask, though, if you're coming into shop. Just should want to emphasize that we're all trying to take care of each other right now. Um, And then if you don't want to come by the store, we can also serve you online at our website, skylightbooks.com. We do. Curbside pickup and shipping anywhere in the US. So check us out. All right. So today we are featuring one of our, one of our local LA friends, our one of our fellow bookstores here in Southern California. Um, joining us today is John Evans of Diesel Bookstore over in Brentwood. Hi, John. Thank you so much for being here today.
3: Thanks for having me. Hello.
0: Um, I'm really looking forward to this conversation, though I wish it was under slightly better circumstances, of course. Yeah, me Um, too. But Diesel is a fantastic store, and um, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to first tell our listeners a little bit about your store, if they haven't been there, um, what you guys are all about, where you are, and what's going on right now.
3: Okay, so, um, well, we've been around for about 30 years. We started out in the Bay Area in uh, Oakland and Emeryville. And then we opened in Malibu, and now we're in Brentwood um, on the west side. And we also have a store down in San Diego. So we've been independent booksellers, Allison and I. Allison's my partner um, and wife. And we've been booksellers since the late 70s, early 80s, um, Berkeley-style, Bay Area-style bookselling, whatever that may mean. And uh, so fine quality independent bookselling and uh, very um, reader-oriented. So um, the store has uh, all subjects and uh, new books only at this point. But uh, of course, we've all been struggling and you've been struggling and everyone's been struggling with COVID-19. And so um, we also are now doing a GoFundMe campaign that we can talk about. But um, LA Times just did an article yesterday, which was a really nice article that they did. and. and uh, we can talk about how to survive all this after forty <laughs> years. Of, it's not an earthquake. It's not yeah. an earthquake. Oh, good. How was <laughs> After How's forty work? years, forty years of um, book selling. So
0: yes, book bookstores are here to stay, despite you know things falling falling down literally right. around us right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I love Diesel, and I have to say Diesel was my local bookstore when I lived in Oakland. Um, I used to I used to hang out it's no longer called Diesel, but I used to hang out there all the time. And um, Diesel is actually where I discovered one of my favorite writers, Brian Evanson. um, Yes. Because whoever was in charge of the displays had put his four catapult books face out. And I was like, wow, I gotta, I gotta check this out. I gotta read this, this man. Um, So thank you for introducing me to him.
3: Sure. (laughs) Our pleasure. That's what Um, it's all about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Okay. So obviously right now bookstores are scrambling to figure out kind of what our role is and how we're going to survive. And what's, what does that look like for Diesel? Um, what have you guys kind of come up with and what have been some challenges that, that you're facing right now?
3: Yeah. So, um, I mean, (laughs) the big challenge of course is, is COVID, but, uh, so we, we were open the whole time. I mean, we see ourselves and, um, we never got exactly uh total government sanction for it, but um in various parts of the country, bookstores have been deemed by official sources as uh, essential services, and we certainly felt that way about ourselves and think of ourselves that way, but not only that, we were reassured by what people did, um, you know as far as ordering sp- special ordering from the store and shipping and the same kinds of things that you guys have been doing too um curbside pickup and all of that. So then um, we didn't open our store for customers in Brentwood until two weeks ago, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, And even so, it's only one person or one group. It's a pretty small store. It's only 1,500 square feet. So, um, you know, we're doing a lot of special orders still and people are picking up mostly, but um, that takes kind of a full staff. So when you have three or four booksellers and you have 1,500 square feet, you can really only... Health-wise, have maybe three people in there. Right. Um, so that's the challenge because so much of what our business is based on is the browsing and the you know people flowing in and flowing out and the recommendations and um and people that come to the Brentwood Country Market just circulating through. So that hasn't been happening. So our sales have been down. They were down seventy-five to eighty percent in the uh, springtime. And last month, down fifty-five percent. We also have high rent, so um, very high rent at the Brentwood Country Mart, as you might imagine. So um, that makes it highly problematic.
0: Yeah, that is really hard.
3: Yeah, (laughs) I mean, some you know, we've we've had um, situations in the past where we had percentage of sales leases and. You know, I know some bookstores own their own buildings and things like that, or they have landlords that are in some sense like a a percentage lease is basically like a partnership arrangement. You know, if you're paying a certain percentage of your sales, then as when things are good, the landlord makes more money. When things are bad, the landlord makes less money, right? But you're in partnership together. Um, When that happens, when you have a lease like that, then it's much easier to weather through these circumstances, but we don't have that. so. Um it's tough. So that's the hardest thing, I think. We've had great support from people and people have responded to the GoFundMe too, but it's
0: tricky. Yeah, Yeah. I saw that the GoFundMe is uh is doing okay. It seems like it's you guys have already raised a hundred thousand out of your four hundred thousand yes. goal, which is amazing. So congratulations yes. on that. I know it's yeah, not you. everything you need, but that's yeah. an encouraging sign.
3: It is very encouraging. And so we're hoping that we can thread the needle.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, how how did the idea for the GoFundMe come together? I mean, I guess obviously out of necessity. Um, but how have you kind of positioned this campaign, and and what are you kind of offering to uh, your supporters as as thank yous or as kind of justification for this campaign?
3: Yeah. So I think, well, I think most of the people, certainly the people that have contributed. Get what's going on. You know, they're projecting something like a third of all independent businesses will go out of business without some kind of government aid over the next six months to a year. That's a brutal statistic. Um, So people get that. Um, I mean, the main thing we're offering is that is continuity, you know, continuity of service and people, you know, Dutton's was already lost here in uh, Brentwood. Um, and that was an institution, a cultural institution for all of LA really, it was a destination store. And um, that's sobering when you lose the bookstore, you know, when you're, when all the bookstores are closing. So over the last 10 years, bookstores have been opening and doing okay, um, or doing better. But uh, for us, it's really a matter of making it through this next six to nine months. and then we'll be okay again, you know, in the sense that as sales come up and we can handle the future better than we can handle the last six months, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So the indebtedness that we incur, just like keeping people on when we weren't getting the money, keeping the healthcare going and people value that. Some people value that. So the people that, that see that as a virtue and, and respect the work that we do, you know, as booksellers, we respect the work we do. Um, the readers that shop at independent bookstores in general do as well. So um, they want us to continue to be available to them in all the ways in which we provide them service with regard to books. So,
0: yeah, I really like how the GoFundMe kind of opens with the idea of bookselling as an ecology—that um, yeah. that it's this system of of people and ideas and exchanges—and it's always changing. I, I think that's that's a beautiful way of looking at it and a beautiful way to involve your customers and say, know, yeah. well, this is a living process, like yeah. running this business. It's not just about sales. It's actually about this kind of more complex interconnected thing. Right?
3: Yeah. And we've always been that way. We had a, a phrase, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was that we used for the first, maybe 10 or 15 years. Um, when we thank our customers, we'd, uh, in newsletters and things we'd say, um, thank you for supporting the fragile ecology of free speech that independent bookstores help to maintain. Right. I think that was it. I'm kind of wordy. So,
1: uh, <laughs> it <be> like that. <laughs> I but mean, you know, we also, when we're tra-
3: are wordy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. When we, uh, when we train people, new booksellers and things, we make it clear, you know, the, the UPS driver, You often know the UPS driver more than you do your part-time employees, right? Because they're there absolutely every day and they're there through thick and thin and uh, it's a lot of hard work, right? So knowing who that is and that they're part of the store, literally part of the store, that's part of the initial training. And the customers too, they determine, as you know, the stock that's in your store. Um, The things you read, because you get recommendations from your customers and that determines what you read and then what books are bought for the store and what Charles buys for your store and all that. So um, it's a reality, you know, the interdependence, you know, I guess the the Buddhist interdependence of, of everything is an ecological concept. And it's something that when people say, oh, so you own diesel, so you're the one that makes that happen or something. And it's like, no. (laughs) i'm just i'm the guy that's paying the bills and i have to you know run that run it as a business but it's um the booksellers on the floor the customers that come in the sales reps that sell us the books the you know the ups driver this is what diesel bookstore is it's a it's an entity beyond me that i'm serving right so um, yeah
0: i i think that's that's a beautiful thing about bookstores I, i i think that's the thing that keeps me coming back is not that they're an exciting business it's that you get to be a part of this this big tapestry of people who care about books um and people who work with books and and that's that's so much more rewarding i mean you know obviously i would love uh you know a hundred dollars an hour wage or something like that but but it isn't that isn't why i do it it is always because i get those connections and that's what feeds me
3: um yeah my uh allison says my wife says uh selling is, uh, not a good living. It's a good life.
0: Yeah. yeah. So It feeds um, your soul. It doesn't necessarily feed your physical body.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And so some people have said, you know, do you want uh, partners or investors? And it's like, you don't want to be investing in a bookstore really, you know, except if you're doing it to be part of that life. Right. And, uh, but as far as a return on investment, when you think of it as an investment like that, um, as a cultural investment, it's a different thing. So we're really cultural institutions that require the sale of books to survive. And so we it requires us to be do sound business practices and, and be very smart about the bit, way we do business in the service of providing readers with all the cultural resources that we can provide, right? So that's that's the point. I always think we, we lose track of what businesses are for, you know, uh, you know, what their social utility, cultural utility, and why we want them to exist. And so what the GoFundMe kind of thing does is it reorients people as to, is this something I value? Is it something I want to continue to exist? Do I recognize that under these situations, the terms of it, are extremely challenging and threatening, and is there a way that I can help? You know, so um, with the the things it, it's been a every day's been a day of tears for Allison and I, and not grief, but just sort of like sweetness because of my my six-year-old son just said, "I want to give my allowance to Diesel so that it'll still be there." Right? I mean, it's it's yeah. extremely moving. Um, what people are saying and what they're doing and what they're wanting to do and how important it is. And we knew this before, you know, the GoFundMe thing, people kept telling us we should probably do it. You know, City Lights jumped right on that right at the beginning. They recognized that this was unsustainable for them, given the model that they have. And, uh, they're an international icon. So they asked for 350 or whatever and got 400 within three days or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. But, um, We hate the whole idea of GoFundMe, even though we appreciate the ecology that that's sort of a part of. We don't. We did not want to do it until there was just no possibility for doing. So we were scrambling, trying to do every possible other thing. It's been an exhausting and and rewarding six months. But it was clear as soon as the COVID thing. It was only made. It makes everything clearer, right? I mean, don't you feel like the whole. Like just like the structural inequities of the society are highlighted and transparent right now, yes. So the um, the opposite, which is the positive role of certain kinds of things, people, actions, institutions, um, are highlighted. Like how do we keep music music going and musicians? You know, how do we keep all the cultural arts available and thriving? So. Mm -hmm. It's part of that, but people told us that, and I'm sure they did at Skylight, too, because it's a great store, um, how important it is. There are people that only came to the bookstore and didn't actually go to any other place, including grocery stores, like people, older people that would order in everything, you know, but they would come to the bookstore to pick up their books because we didn't do delivery. We did shipping, but not delivery. But it's it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think it's becoming very clear to people that we're at a crossroads, right? That we can choose to go yeah. towards supporting these things that we love or we can let them die and be stuck in the world where you know Amazon and Target yeah. and all of those corporations own everything and we have no more spaces like this for kind of organic connection to grow. Everything is just run by algorithm. I hate that future. I
3: don't want that future at all. (laughs) No, I mean, what I always say about that is the, uh, you know, algorithms show you all your past choices and independent booksellers show you your future ones. Like, who do you want to be is what we're all about. Like what, what's the thing that's going to blow your mind next, given the things you tell me that you, that's very different than what have people who bought what you bought, bought too. You know, that's, it's sort of the opposite. A friend of mine once said, why do we always go for the lowest common denominator instead of the highest common denominator? Mm. I found that really interesting with regard to book selling, right? It's always like, whatever someone's taste is, take it that little step further. And it doesn't mean, you know, higher in some kind of literary sense or some kind of, you know, objective sense, but, but take their sensibility and expand it. Um, And that's what people want when they're reading a lot of people, right? Even if you like the reassurance of a particular style or a particular um, genre or a particular subject, you still want it to be expanding out each time.
0: Yeah, it's kind of the idea of like either replication or growth, right? That either you can keep doing the same thing that you know you like, or you can push yourself a little bit, be a little bit uncomfortable and try something new and expand. And I do think that the people who care about reading now in 2020 who care about reading physical books they do it because they want to grow and they want to see things that they haven't seen before i mean that's a gross generalization but that was that's my sense
3: yeah yeah i think so too
0: Hmm. so what are the things that uh our listeners and and your customers and and people who care about books what what can they do apart from obviously please donate to diesel's gofundme um, what are the things that they can do to help bookstores and help kind of ensure that um, these cultural institutions that we care about stick around?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think like what you were saying that it's always the case that you vote with your dollar, right? That uh, the personal is political, right? And that, but that's true right now. Like the world that you want um, so many threats to so many things, they just won't be around, you know? And and we'll rue the day, you know, that we don't have independent bookstores around. So whether, whatever your local bookstore is, I mean, whether it's us or you or Romans or whatever, um, supporting them supports so much of the community. And, you know, there's the financial aspect, also the sort of multiplier effect of, of independent businesses versus a uh, either a chain or Amazon, certainly. Um, but some of it is just weaning yourself away from the easy thing that, that is a mindless thing because the mindless thing is also a political thing. It's also a thing that structures what our society is like. And a lot of people know that they don't really want to support Amazon in various ways and that, that Bezos will be fine. Um, (laughs) we don't need to worry about that. But, um, so when the, the other thing about COVID is that, um, there's going to be all these structural problems. There's going to be shipping problems. There's going to be printing problems. And so, um, all of those things kind of dovetail into like supporting skylight or diesel early. If you're doing holiday shopping and like now yes. start, start getting those things and people have started doing that. It's really interesting. They're consciously going, I don't want to deal with crowds later. I don't want to deal with that. The book that I wanted to get is no longer available. And, uh, and I don't want to support Amazon, you know, for a lot of people. So, um, I think those are are significant things. The other thing is, is gift certificates, right? Whether they're digital gift certificates and give those to the people that are, you know, your, your friends in new Orleans who are having a hard time with all the hurricanes one after another, you know, the people all along the Gulf coast. Um, You can send them digital gift certificates from skylight or diesel or whatever. And, uh, and that, you know, just think about What is it that your gift giving is for and what, how do you, increase the value of your gift, right? Books are always a great gift, right? They're, they're, they're much longer than a movie. <laughs> <laughs> about the same amount. <laughs> and, uh, and they also have that, um, you know, you're bringing this whole cultural resource from some other person's mind into the life of someone else as a gift. I don't know. It's a great thing. But um, think about that when you're giving gifts and uh, think of the local businesses and ways to bring them into that ecology.
0: Yeah, make yourself part of the network. Yeah. And extend it to the people you know.
3: And you know that then, like, the dollar you spend makes a difference in real people's lives. Otherwise, it's sort of abstract,
0: mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, a dollar on Amazon goes pretty much straight into Bezos's pocket.
3: Yeah, it just also feels sort of empty, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. It's,
3: it's interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, one of the things that I've seen Diesel doing that that I love is that you guys are doing an Ask a Bookseller uh, yeah. virtual event every week, right?
3: Yes. How's that yeah, been so we going? We do Ask a Bookseller and we do uh, Ask a Reader and we have sales reps every week. Um, we also have children's story time on Thursdays. Everything's pretty much at 11 o'clock. Um, at 11s, we have uh, something and it's also recorded. You can You can see it later. But if you actually wanted to ask a bookseller about anything, like what do they think are the best, you know, imprints right now? What are the best small presses? Who are are the ones that are most moving you? You know, what is the most transformative book you've ever read in your life? I mean, we're into all of those things. And uh, so questions like that. But then we're also interviewing each other, which is really interesting because we have the two stores. So we'll often pair someone from the Brentwood store and the Del Mar store who don't really work together. And so then they're discovering each other, um, and it's almost like a, a mimic of what it's like to be with a new customer, right? You know, mm-hmm. what is it you like? You know, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I like that.
0: Ugh, I miss that so so I do much.
3: Too. <laughs> it's so. Well, you have people coming in, yeah?
0: We do. I mean, I personally am working full time from home so I don't get any of that but yeah we um, are people are shopping in in the stores yeah.
3: I like. it is such a relief when we open the doors in Brentwood for people to come in I mean it's very exciting for them because they kind of get the store to themselves with the booksellers it's pretty pretty great situation but those conversations are just I mean people I don't think people realize you know the depth I mean that's this is why I love bookselling more than anything is the intimacy and depth of the conversations with a customer at any one time, whether that's helping them through grief, whether it's um, exciting them with new change, somebody coming back to reading after being in some kind of like a, a, you know, becoming a lawyer or something where your reading is all super focused on on certain kinds of reading. There are just so many, you know, having a new baby, uh, you know, <laughs> relationship stuff, all of those conversations, one after another, after another. And it's so touching.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's human, right? Like, that's, yeah. that's the part of book selling that has nothing to do with the business. It's just, it's just a yeah. human connection and, and yeah. being able to offer another person something that, you know, they'll take into their life and make, make a part of their life. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And then something like, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter and all of the, you know, we had a display in the window for the, this last, uh, since May, end of May. Um, and people just, you know, some people coming in tentatively, some people coming in angry, some people coming in hurt, some people just confused and, uh, providing them with all of these resources to, to let them grow into the, you know, Oh, and to a new understanding. And so, many, you know, there's, it's infinite. I mean, the humbling part of being a bookseller is that, um, every single moment you're following further and further behind in your reading right every <laughs> second you know that's, that's a bookseller's experience and so we try and hide that from customers so that they don't experience the uh, ontological free fall of being a bookseller <laughs> but uh but you, it allows you to provide all of these resources to sort of stabilize people as they're going through massive change right that reassure them that you know there's that thing misery loves company but you know people love company you just want to be able to share with other people what your experience is and what your knowledge is. And I don't mean as a bookseller to a customer, but I mean as a customer or person relative to other people. And so it's, it's, that's been also very encouraging. You know, there's so much that's been encouraging about bookselling for me, Allison and I were saying that I think the period from um, end of March into June, when there was just a really small core group of people that were working in the store, um, was maybe our favorite time, bookselling. As a staff, you know, as just like doing a lot of the hard work to make it possible for people to read. Mm. Um, but I sorely missed the customers. That's been the hardest thing.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad they're they're trickling back in one yes. by one. Yeah. Um, Is there anything else you want to mention or talk about before we wrap up here?
3: Um, You know, reading makes you more human. It just does. And everybody (laughs) says so who does it. And they've done studies and stuff. So I would just encourage people to read more um, because I think that's really good for people. And and good it's for the a society.
0: Good, it's a very good break from all of these screens that we live in now. Um yeah. I have to, I have to do it every day. I have to give myself an hour where I'm not looking at a screen, I'm looking at a page. I'm projecting yeah. myself into the page and not being recorded.
3: <laughs> yeah. On screen. It's also a hate antidote, right? Yeah. So I think you know the the empathy part of it is really uh significant and we need that civility.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. All right, John. Well, thank you so much for talking with yeah, us today. It was nice talking with you. So uh, listeners, you heard it here. Go out and uh, support Diesel. Help them stick around and, and keep building this great community out there in Brentwood and, and down in uh, Del Mar and uh, keep doing the, the great work that you're doing. Thank you, John.
3: Thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks for All doing right.
0: this. All right. Catch you on the flip side.
1: Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye.